Hey guys, welcome back to the Origins podcast. Welcome to episode two. Um, thanks for your support last week on the on the first podcast. We've had we've had good response. Um, a lot of you guys listening along and, and sharing it, giving some good feedback. Um, so yeah, welcome to episode two. We'll start off with just a little weekly update. So Rob, take it away. What you've been up to this week? Um, pretty standard. Uh, pretty decent week of training, to be honest. Um, yesterday wasn't so great, but that was just me having a bit of a strop, to be honest. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's been all right. I've um, I've enjoyed it. I, I don't know. We've said before, haven't we? It's, it's difficult with this training at home, but yeah. we're, we're making do. But yeah, I tried a couple of new pre-workouts. What we tried? Um, so I put it on my story. I tried reignite like Tuesday, I think it was. It was for legs. And I actually really liked it. I really liked it. Yeah. And I know you don't. <laughs> no, I don't like it. It's, it's a difficult one. Why did you, what did you like about it? Like, it was pretty strong from a, yeah. like a stim, stim perspective, but it wasn't yeah. like, like a, an MV pre or it just felt like there was a lot of caffeine and that's, that's what it is. There's a lot of caffeine based ingredients in it. Um, yeah. So for someone like me, I'm I'm really really intolerant to caffeine. Yeah. So I believe it's got it's got caffeine in, Infinergy, which is caffeine and malic acid fused ionic bond with an ionic bond, and um, so yeah. that's going to give a, a slow release of caffeine and, and reduce the crash. It's got guarana extract, which yields caffeine, and then dynamine as well which is like teocrine, it's structurally similar to caffeine and affects the same pathway as caffeine. So there you've got four products inside um, Reignite, which are all caffeine-based and affect the same pathway. So for someone that's really, really intolerant to caffeine, that's not really going to hit hard. And no. that, that, that's what I found with the product. That although like on the tin, it looks fantastic and it, and it does work for a lot of people, when you've got such an intolerance to caffeine, um, it doesn't hit that hard. However, I have reduced the amount of stims that I've been taking recently. Um, so I would like to give it another go and see if yeah. it hits me better now because my caffeine intake since being home has been really low. It's literally just been one coffee a day. And, and then I pre. haven't had a pre since we last spoke. Since the last oh, podcast yeah. and I said that MV pre fucked me up. I've, yeah. been, I've been too much of a pussy to try it again. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I actually had quite a big, not a big come down, but I felt a little bit strange afterwards. Oh, after um, reignite? Yeah, but I, I think that's just because I, I was fasted. It was legs. It was a tough session. And I trained later than usual. So that, that the length of the fast was, yeah, was longer. Yeah, push food back further, yeah. And I'm not usually training with a pre at the minute. So I, but I had the sample, so I thought I might as well try it. No, yeah, I mean, I really I've heard fantastic it. things. Loads of people love it. Like, if I if I hadn't tried it and were to recommend it just from the panel, I'd be like, yeah, this product is going to work. I mean, it's got a yeah. fantastic hefty dose of Alpha GPC as well. It's full of patented yeah. ingredients. Um, it just it just didn't work that well with me. Yeah. But what else have you tried this week then? I tried the Pump Sports Loaded. and That's, that's one that's I've been one wanting to try. Well, it's the thing. Everyone's been talking about that. Yeah. And um, I just didn't really feel anything from it. And it was really strange. I, I don't know if it was because I, like, I had the bad session yesterday and I couldn't kind of get in the mindset. 
Yeah. Um, I'm just pulling up the I, panel now. I did. I didn't feel anything like I did with Reignite. Um, and that was doing legs. So you did legs with them both. Yeah, I saved them both for legs. Because uh, I've just been having a coffee before training usually. But I just there was just nothing special about it. I mean, it's a pretty, it's a pretty standard, pretty standard. panel yeah. as well. To be fair, I mean, it's not going to be that strong. No. But again, it's a decent panel. You'd at least expect something, and especially with the hype it's been getting. Well, that's what I was. I was a bit disappointed. Was that just another sample as well? Yeah. So you haven't wasted any money with it. No, but <laughs> it, it did. It did taste unreal. To be it fair, taste, I mean, typically the ones that taste good. Yeah. don't hit hard like MV is an outlier with that um, yeah. but you know if you've got a if you, like I expect the new JP pre to taste like, like shit, shit. I expect yeah. it does that alpha alpha neon dark side bro it tastes I can't tell you how bad that that stuff tastes it's like I can't get a whiff of it before I vomit or drink it, I'll sit, I can't have it. I'll be gagging. I'll be throwing up. I'm not even really? joking. It smells that fucking bad. And like, the, the owner won't mind me saying this either because he knows it. Like, he knows it for a fact that it doesn't taste. You could put like, this is the raspberry flavour and it just doesn't taste any. It's like he's not even tried to make it taste like raspberry. It's then, true though. Like, the best pre's, like people, you, you know that it's not going to taste good. If you want a good product, it's not. Obviously, there are exceptions, and to be fair, reignite tasted really nice as well. Um, Which one did you? I think I had the tutti frutti, and I think that tasted really good. Is that what you had? Yeah, that's what yeah. I had. Yeah, yeah, tutti frutti. Yeah, it is a nice tasting product. To be fair. Yeah. But so, yeah. what about you? You changed up the split, haven't you? Yeah, I've changed up my split this week from pull, push off legs. Um, so, what we, our original split at the gym was pull, push off legs off repeat yeah um, and then i threw in a delts and arms for the first two weeks at home after legs so it was pull push off legs delts and arms off um now what i found was with home training in legs particularly is taking like hours yeah. it's taking me so long there's so much volume hitting hams calves quads all in one session there's so many sets, there's so many reps, there's so many rest pause sets. There's so much for me fiddling about setting it up, like changing weights, changing plates, moving this around in a home gym, that it's taking so long. And by the end of it as well, I'm absolutely fried doing that much volume, changing yeah. my, like, my sessions up this much. I'm fried by the end of it to do like isolation work and stuff. So I've changed it up to a bit more of a bro, bro split. So we go back and chest with some triceps at the end, a bit of blood flow triceps. Yeah. Arms and biceps off, arms and delts, quads off. Okay. Um, and it's working quite well. I've really enjoyed it, to be fair. Hopefully when the squat rack comes and, and the barbell comes on Wednesday and I've got the plates, it'll be even better. Yeah. Um, so it's a bit more of a bro, bro split. We're hitting things more frequently, I guess. Uh, legs has been split up to hams and quads uh, even though we're still hitting some quads at the end of hams and, and a bit of hams at the beginning of quads. One thing that I would say, if you are going to program, like you do upper lower, don't you? Yeah. If you are going to program upper lower or like a chest and back, I'd always keep pressing movements first. 
just yeah, just being so fatigued later in the session and stability. Like if I'm performing rows, like a scapular retraction movement first, it will massively fatigue your scapula. And that's going to hinder your stability so much when you're pressing because you're not able to fully retract your scapula. Yeah, this is so, what we, we struggled with, wasn't it? When we had our split of pull, push, off legs, Yeah. we, we swapped the push and pull round because of, for exactly that reason. The, the yeah. fatigue in the upper back takes away all stability from, from pressing movements. So yeah, 100%. So I'd, I'd highly recommend if you are doing an upper or like a chest and back kind of routine that you do your pressing movement first. Um, prior to like your rows and your scapular attraction movements because it will it will massively hinder um, your stability. And then I basically, I lower back load once on chest and back and then I won't lower back load on the hams. And then the next rotation, I'll lower back load on the hams and I don't lower back load on the chest and back. Okay. Um, so have you got barbell rows and then like an RDL? The barbell rows, but that will change to T-bar once on Wednesday and then I have yeah. an RDL. Um, on the other one and then I'll just have chest supported work and chest supported work in an RDL and then T-bar row and and I just do a hip thrust rather than a lower back load and then quads is the barbell back squat return of the barbell back squat I've not done this movement in 1.5 years so I'm expecting (laughs) a crippling amount of spinal loading and my rectus to be fried with that as well the thought process is that I'm actually going to try and pre-fatigue my quads with some extensions Um, this way when I barbell squat like my my hypothesis is that my back is going to fatigue much faster and quicker than my quads so I'm not going to attempt quads to failure so by throwing in an extension beforehand hopefully then they will fatigue at the same time Um, and then as as obviously I perform this movement over the weeks because it's on both like both quad days um I am going to get used to it. I'm going to use no belt as well, so I'm going to strengthen the lower back. And then hopefully I can take the leg extension away and I can actually fatigue my quads faster than the faster than my lower back. But that spinal loading is going to be is going to be brutal to start with, I can tell you that. It sounds good, though. You can't, yeah, you're definitely making different. do with, with what you've got, the equipment that you have. I mean, it's allowing me to hit arms pretty much every single day as well. Yeah. Um, and like at the end of hams and biceps, I've got just extensions and then blood flow, what bike sprints, and they are fucking killing me. They yeah, are so blowing me up. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking to get a, a bike for for that and also for cardio as well, just to keep me ticking over. A little spin yeah. bike thing. Yeah, but I'm not looking forward to doing the blood flow restriction. Oh, and the, the, I mean, I don't take the, the, the band, um, the cuffs off um in between the sets either so it's 45 yeah. seconds 30 seconds 45 seconds 30 seconds 45 seconds oh my god that Fuck last that. set is, is fucking brutal i'm not like the, the cramping afterwards that occurs is, is awful is it all in the quads all in the quads yeah yeah i try i try and keep like create as much knee flexion as i can while sprinting as well try and bring yeah. my knee right over my toe and uh it, it's it's horrific it really is horrific <laughs> But yeah, apart from that, it's um, been a pretty decent week, just standard week of training and just chipping away at my dissertation. I'm just excited for Wednesday, really, for, for the barbell. Yeah. The weights to get everything settled, dude. Nice. Yeah. So should we get into the, the main topic of today? Yeah, let's go for it. So um, we're both just going to go into a little bit of story 
of how we both got into fitness and and bodybuilding specifically. Um, I don't think I actually know your like, pardon the pun, origin story. No, <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I don't know yours. I'm to be fair, it's never something that we've that we've discussed. So what what was it? What what got you into it? Well, I firstly got into fitness. Obviously, I've come from a background of just playing football. Um, yeah. my whole life um, I used to box as well for a few years and I always loved like, the, the actual training behind that um, however I fell in love with a game called Call of Duty <laughs> and and I fell in love with Chili Heatwave Doritos and Hagen Dars and became quite fat <laughs> however I was about 14, 15, 13 to 15 and because of my body type I was never going to be a stocky fat. I had tiny limbs and just a big bubble gut and some little oh, tits. No. And <laughs> I looked horrific. Like I'm not joking. Like, we went on holiday with some friends and we was all in the sea. And it was me and two lads. They had the tops off, loving it. I had my yeah. shirt on, like t-shirt still oh. on in the <laughs> sea. And I was so embarrassed at how fat I used to be. Um, and I remember walking down to PE in summer in secondary school. Um, in the winter, we wore these rugby tops in PE, and in the summer, we wore like a polo, white polo. And we're walking yeah. out to PE, and I heard these two girls whisper. Well, they didn't really whisper it, to be fair. They, they, they clearly said it loud for me to hear. Um, like, oh, my God, how fat does Tim look in his polo? Like, they hadn't seen me in a top like that in so long. And I was fucking gutted, bro. I could have cried. I could have broken down there and then. And from then, I started doing just circuit training at home. Like hit yeah. workouts every single day, abs and hits with a pull-up bar. Um, lost a ridiculous amount of weight so fast, like literally starved myself. I didn't know what I was doing at like 16, 17. Um, and I got so skinny. I was shredded, but I was so skinny. And then I bought a bench press, started training from home, and things started progressing from there, really. Um, and I didn't really train legs until I was, until I could drive. And I'd go to the gym once a week just to do legs. I think my, yeah. it started with bench every day, chest every day, then some arms came in, then some shoulders came in, then a bit of back, and then legs. Um, That's probably why you're such a strong presser now. I, literally, I put all my pressing down to that I used to do sets after sets of bench press with my two friends in the village. And I'm talking like we used to put a tiny amount of weight on, it was like who could get 100 reps. And like yeah. Will's kicking out at 94 reps, blood's fucking pumping in his chest, he can't get another rep. Rob's got 96 and I've managed to get that like grinding 100 rep up. The blood flow <laughs> is incredible in our chest. And we used to just do stuff like that. And I, I, put, I literally put my pressing down and like my size of my, my, my pressing muscles down to, down to just benching and benching and benching. Yeah. Uh, and then bodybuilding, I don't know, I just feel like it was... At first, it was just like, you know, you want to look like Zac Efron or something like that. Literally, that was that was the body that I wanted to look like, Ronaldo, Zac Efron. Um, just like a decent beach body. And I just think you can either go two ways. You can you can go and, I mean, so many people I know who, who started at the same time or anyone that, that still just have, want to have that body. They hit a certain size, they just retain it. You know, like, even like a Rob Lipset, someone like that, they just stay lean all around. They just retain that, the, the muscularity that they have. But I think if you truly fall in love with training itself. You want to take I, it further, don't you? You want to take it further. Like my whole views have shifted of, it started off with vanity. Yeah. And wanting to look good for other people, wanting to look good for girls, wanting to look good on the beach. 
And it completely did like a complete shift that I really don't care if someone thought I look nice or not now. It's what I want to look like. It's the way I fall in love with training. It's the body yeah. that I want to sculpt. Like when I think as well of like, I want to be a classic competitor. In, in a weird way, I think of like, you know, like the Greek statues and the Roman statues that you see with the flow to the physique. Yeah, I want yeah. to sculpt that like yeah. with me. I don't, I don't really give a fuck what anyone thinks. And it, it, it's more purely that, I don't know, I just fell in love with training. And I, I fell in love with lifting heavy, but I don't want to be a powerlifter, if that makes sense. It's the, it's the lifting heavy in the bodybuilding, yeah, the, what, the yeah. bodybuilding way of doing it. It's yeah. not, it doesn't matter what your one rep max is, but it kind of doesn't matter what your six rep max is. <laughs> yeah. it, it matters what I can do on the top set, but not what I can do for one rep. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I, I, I think that's, I don't know if it was anyone that, in, there, was, there was always a kid called Johnny Brewer um, at the golf club and he was like three years above us and he got into bodybuilding and he, and he showed me a lot of things. Um, but I don't think anyone, you know, like influenced me into bodybuilding. I think it was just, yeah. the, just the natural process of falling in love with training itself as opposed to what I look like. Because people who have great bodies now and even like a lot of my friends that are in decent nick they actually don't really enjoy the training side. You know, it's like, oh, six o'clock's come round. I've not been to the gym yet. Fuck's sake, best go do arms quickly for an hour. Like, it's one yeah. of them where they, they go to the gym purely to look good. They don't actually enjoy the training. Where, like, yeah. for me, it's I wake up and I can't wait to go to the gym. I'm going to sleep at night thinking about the squat that I've got tomorrow. That that That's the that's the feeling that I've got and the thought process behind it. But, yeah, that's my that's my journey into bodybuilding, really, dude. What about you? So I'm pretty similar, but different in a lot of ways. So I was... Same, same, like 30, different. Yeah. So um, <laughs> when I was like 13, 14-ish, I was like proper obsessed with football and yeah. being a pro pro footballer. That was like my number one goal. And I, if anyone's listening to this that played with me, they knew that I take it, took it a bit too seriously at times. Um, and I just put so much time into like training in a football sense. So like doing like... I don't know, like agility ladders and sprints and, and like football fitness stuff. Yeah. And then when I got, I got gym membership, like when I was 15, I think, and I joined with a couple of my mates and uh, it was getting to the point where, so like for me, my, my idol was Ronaldo as well. Yeah. And I, I, I just, I just wanted to look like him and it, it kind of turned from, it went from doing all the football stuff. So like I was doing like single leg, like, um, RDLs to like improve my balance, um, jumping split squats to be like more explosive and stuff. Splits, yeah. It was Bob a lot of leg stuff, stuff. Yeah. and I was the opposite to you because I didn't do any, like I didn't care what my bench press was and that's what everyone else was doing and it kind of set me back because I was spent so much time trying to do all of this like fancy stuff. When it came to it, I was so much weaker than everyone else. Like, all of my mates that went to the gym, they were rugby boys, they, they, they were in that like scene of who who's the strongest and I just kind of kept to myself and did my own little thing yeah and it came back to bite me in the ass a little bit because when I actually wanted to progress strength wise and physique wise I was just so far behind everyone mm. um and yeah it was just a similar thing like it, it went from that football passion into like just I just fell in love with training as well and I went to the gym because I loved doing it not because I wanted to impress people or look a certain way i've always been 
like I was super skinny when I was younger and, and that's why I was so weak compared to everyone else. We have a very similar um, body shape, don't we? we we're both heavily yeah. ectomorphs, we're both tall. Yeah. Um, so we've both come from being literal bean poles. Yeah. But I remember like one of the first gym sessions I did with my mates, they, they were pressing like the 28s or something and I couldn't even do like the 16s. And I was so far behind and I, I've always been... Like that's been a massive drive for me is just to catch up with everyone else. And and to be fair, now probably I've I've done that and overtaken a lot of people that I would have trained with in the past. Oh, for sure, yeah. Um but yeah, it was just that natural progression. The same as you and, and the desire to get bigger, impress my mates. And then now for me it's it's just it is for me and it's not for anyone else. Um and I just I love the process. I love the 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 food the training like managing my sleep like the whole process of bodybuilding I absolutely love it yeah me too me too yeah there's a lot more to it than than just the gym itself it is it is a lifestyle you have to I'm one of them where you dedicate everything to it you yeah. don't go in half-hearted um, and yeah the process of managing every variable you, variable you can uh, it's so interesting and rewarding yeah, but well, I, I was the same. So like, I would I never do anything half-hearted, and it was the same with the football. I was proper obsessed with that, and now it's it's just shifted into bodybuilding. But I I even had a phase of DJing, and I was super into that. <laughs> I, I was I was I was I was so obsessed with it. I spent so much money on on kit for it, and then I that kind of fizzled out. But it's the same it's the same concept. I just whatever oh, yeah. I do is hundred percent. I used to I used to I used to play golf as well and I was so obsessed with that. I was literally like five, six times a week I'd be going and practicing as well. And even yeah. Call of Duty, bro, I'll tell you what, the amount of hours yeah. I spent on that, I wanted to be a pro trip chatter. I mean <laughs> I, <laughs> I devoted everything to that game. Mod- I mean, Modern that, Warfare two and three, I was the same. Oh uh, yeah, I started I started on COD four and then Modern Warfare two was my trip shotting and then Black Ops Oh god, the search and destroy black ops and zombies I used to I used to love. I mean, thankfully now I don't have a PS4 because some pagsy decided to nick it from a Unigaf. But yep. if I did, I would not get this dissertation done because Modern Warfare would have been bought and Battle Royale, Warzone looks so good. I mean I've played it a bit with Greeno. I would be on it all day. So I haven't played it yet because guys. Yeah, I haven't played it yet because I know exactly that. I'll be addicted. I will not get any work done and finish third year because I'm, I'm so bad with stuff like that. With Con, yeah. I'm so bad at that. FIFA, I've never been asked about at all. Even though, yeah. I, obviously, I'm obsessed with football, FIFA, for some reason, just never clicked with me. I just found it... I didn't find it realistic enough. But I love God, FIFA... God just took me. Yeah. FIFA 12 and 13, I was, that was when the ultimate team days... That's when oh, I yeah. when I proper yeah, loved. Yeah, I used to do that. I used to do it at school as well, sitting the computers at school and be on the on foot online. On, online trading, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. FIFA, the I best thing about FIFA so is the tunes. That. That's the best bit. Oh yeah. You, when you'd sit in the like the old arena and you just have Ronaldo pinging it and you just have the tunes on in the background. That was the best bit of FIFA. But this yeah. is majorly off topic now. Yeah, I'm just a bit. <laughs> so yeah, that's how we both got into training really. So kinda similar in some sense. Um Mine's the fact you started with legs and I started with pretty much just chest. Yeah, um, and it show, it shows for both of us. Obviously, you've got your legs are ridiculously strong now as well, but like proportionately, 
your pressing is like worlds ahead of what you can do for your legs, don't you oh, think? Yeah, I think I think it's way ahead of pulling. I think my yeah. legs are pretty strong. Yeah, but I mean, I think develop. I don't know. I think I think more with you that your legs are so much stronger than every other body part and look oh. a lot better as well. Although you carry fat there, like if they were lean, you, I think your legs would be your most impressive body part. Yeah, definitely. That for sure. Um, I don't know why. I've always been I've always been a strong presser with legs as well, like squat and, and leg press. Um, but they, the man just take, they're just a bastard to grow. My extremities are just a, they're just mm-hmm. a twat to grow. I mean, you're the same really as well. Yeah. I we mean, are, that, we are that, very similar. Yeah. That we, we really do. And it's just, it's just being tall individuals at to most like we, we do struggle to grow certain body parts. I mean, with yeah. me, I, the, the deeper and the heavier I get, I just get thicker and thicker and thicker up across like the clavicular region on my back, I just yep. get so thick and wider, but my arms are still lagging. And that, that comes on to the next point of something. This was a question that we both had on Instagram. It's a question that we get asked a lot. We kind of touched upon it last week. And it's a, it's a technique that we've in, um, applied to try and grow our arms. And now you're using a lot of it on your legs too at home. Uh, yep. And that is blood flow restriction. So basically, blood flow restriction is it's occluding a limb, so an arm or a leg, at, at the proximal end of, of, of that limb, so nearest to the center of the body. And the, the occlusion allows blood to enter the muscle, but it stops blood from leaving. Um, now, this is basically going to cause muscular cell adaptions um, by enhancing metabolic stress, um, which is basically an increase in the amount of metabolites and hypoxia in the muscle. So this increase is going to cause chemical signaling to occur and hopefully lead to a hypertrophic response. But positives to blood flow is basically, it allows you to train that muscle group more frequently because there is such a low load. Because you are including the muscle, you can use such a small load and cause the same amount of damage as if you're losing a heavier load without the occlusion. So you are causing little stress to the nervous system and little stress to the joints and tendons. And this is something that we've been doing at the end of a lot of our workouts, like at the end of legs, we've been adding in just blood flow biceps. And yeah. we've we've seen a massive, massive improvement in our arms since doing so, haven't we, Rob? Yeah, well, we, we both struggle a lot with arms. And and yeah, you, you, nailed, you nailed that, the, the mechanisms there. Implementing it for us has, has been huge. It's not just the the blood flow but the frequency as well um because because arms are such a small muscle group they they recover easily for a lot of people a lot of people they overtrain their arms and, and they need to bring it down um but for most they're quite easy to recover from so just adding in these blood flow restriction rest pause sets that i'm doing it every other day now you're basically doing every day like rotating biceps triceps we we were adding it into legs when we were back when we were in the gym um and the growth we saw both of us has, has been brilliant um there is a few there's a bit of research behind it not being like effective after a certain amount of time your kind of body adapts to it and like a six to eight week period yeah i mean after that you should probably shuttle it out and then implement it back in in another six to eight weeks um, yeah almost like cycle it in and out but in a period like now even if you have been doing it and now we're back at home training. I, yeah. I keep it in because it's like for legs for you, you wouldn't be able to do 
anywhere near the amount that you are doing with your eight kilo dumbbells and bands if you didn't have BFR cups. Yeah, it's a it's upping the intensity, um, which in a situation that we're in now, I can't do otherwise. So it, I'm focusing, especially for legs, it's less on the mechanisms behind how it works and more on just allowing me to reach failure earlier. And BFR is a fantastic thing if you are injured as well. Um, yeah. And recovering from an injury or training with an injury because you're able to use a much, much lighter load. And I'm talking a ridiculously lighter load and still trigger the same hypertrophic response. Um, and so if you are injured, if you are injured with your limb, um, one of your limbs, arms or legs, um, you can still grow that area or retain the muscle of that area with BFR and, and work back from an injury with a lighter load. I mean, we see a lot of people load their triceps in in a lot of dangerous exercises. Like for me, free-weighted triceps, I don't like. Like skull crushers and French presses and things like that. Heavy skull crushers, heavy French presses, I've never got along with. They just ruin my yeah. tendons in my elbow. And yeah. I do think that the BFR really does save your, your tendons and your elbow. Like, you know, elbow, um, golfer's elbow, tennis elbow. Um, it really does save your elbow joints with, with training with triceps. Well, also the, the force is going through the elbows and wrists from, from pressing movements and, and pulling movements as well. Every single day, if we're doing push-pull, bar legs, those joints are being taken through some stress. Yeah. So if we can help to minimise that, it, it's very beneficial. Yeah, it's something that I'm, that I'm a big fan of. I've implemented it in pretty much every single client plan as well at this current period in time. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's just it's just the the main benefit is literally that you can use such a light load and get the same hypertrophic response and that you can train that muscle group far, far more frequently due to the stress that you're, that you're putting the joints to and, and the stress on your nervous system as well. Yeah, because you're. It's not you're, very enjoyable, though. It's say. a very, very painful, painful technique, um, and I'd recommend. I wouldn't do straight sets with it either, um, no. unless you're keeping them on um, in your rest period. Uh, time sets, rest pause sets, things like that that are going to keep the metabolites, um, uh, keep the buildup of metabolites in there for for as long as you possibly can. Um, that that's what I do, and it's a very, 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 very painful, painful technique. Well, yeah, the the whole point of it is to keep those metabolites there. So if you're just doing a set, taking the cuff off, and then doing it again and again, you're just allowing that the blood to leave, metabolites to leave. Yeah. When that's not the goal of implementing this this technique. Defeating the objective, really. So so a rest pause set of just twenty seconds rest, keep the cuffs on or the the bands keep it on, do three sets or four sets of that, and that's, it's enough, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. But I'd, I'd recommend anyone to try it, especially if you do have a lagging body part like arms, and just tag some on the end of your leg day, um, allow sufficient recovery, and then uh, and then go again. Because I do think that the way we train with the, with the push-pull legs, I do think that does create a lagging arms. Yeah. Um, but personally, for me, I'd much rather have impressive quads, impressive chest, impressive back than arms. But you do need arms to complement a physique. So BFR is perfect. Just to tag it on the end of, on the end of legs, on the end of other uh, days, and you can you can in- increase the frequency so that it, pretty much you are having basically a separate arm day. At the end of the day, yeah. you're still doing the same volume as you would if you was having a having a separate arm day. Yeah, and and the the fact that it's worked for me and you who both struggle with arm development anyway 
just shows that it is effective and it does work. No, definitely. 100%. 100%. believe it works. Um, So we move on now. I had a question about pre and post nutrition. Uh, Pretty much your go-to meal um, or even, you know, how you set up your pre and post nutrition. So Rob, take it away. So currently for me at the minute, I'm training fasted. So I don't actually have a pre meal. Um, But post, I was having... So I'll just go through the meal. I was having 125 grams of, I tried to keep the same cereal, but it's not always the same. But at the minute it's golden nuggets because I absolutely love them. Nice. They're unreal. I've had them in a long time. Um, so 125 grams of that. Uh, I was having whey, but it was giving me a bit of um, like digestive stress straight after training. So I've just swapped that out for some chicken breast. Um keep fats to a minimum so I don't have um, any direct fat sources and just a couple of squares bars, Rice Krispie squares bars. And and the reasoning behind that, people think people listening thinking that's a bit like unhealthy with all the sugar, that is the point of having um, that sort of meal post-training because we are training, like increases are, uh, sensitivity to carbohydrates and to sugary carbohydrates and we need to replenish that that glycogen and and the glucose has been used during training and when we're in a in a heightened state it's uh it's beneficial to to have those sorts of carbohydrate sources instantly you're waving at someone sorry yeah mum and dad were just <laughs> at the window again saying they're off on a walk um no yeah 100% agree mine's mine's very very similar apart from that um I don't train fasted. I've never been a fan of training fasted. Um, so my, my pre-workout is 150 gram of carbohydrates, 40 protein, uh, 20 fat. And then I have yeah. a cookie alongside that as well, which which I, I, don't, I don't really track the cookie because I have it every day, uh, whether that's from one shop or another or a different flavor. And I wouldn't recommend having a cookie, anyone. That's just purely because my calories are so high. Um, so again, fats are about 20 gram, nothing too, nothing too high. The carbs come from pretty much complex carbohydrates and then I add some orange juice alongside it and standard 40 gram of protein. I have this about two hours, two and a half hours before I actually train because I find that it takes a long time to digest for me. Um, and at minimum, I'd spend an hour before you train having your pre-workout meal. I know when we used to train a bit later, you had about an hour, didn't you? Yeah, but like absolute minimum, an hour. Absolute minimum. Um, purely because <laughs> your body is going to pull blood to your digestive tract to digest the food. So if you're training, you're going to have less blood in the muscle. You're going to have a, a, a decrease in blood flow around the body because you've got so much blood pulled into the gut to digest that food. So you want to give an adequate amount of time for that food to digest before you train. And then post-workout, again, fats are at an all-time minimum. I just have 200 gram of kid cereal. Uh, at the minute, I'm on the marshmallow mateys, which is like... I haven't tried them. Jar. I haven't tried them. They're good. They're good. They're really easy to eat as well. Um, yeah. And then I have a bagel with 80 gram of jam. And I have whey, 40 gram of protein from whey. Um, and again, like leaving time before you train for your pre-workout meal, Make sure you're leaving time after you train for your for your post workout meal. This whole anabolic window, and as soon as you step out of the gym, neck a protein shake. Uh, ignore that, and at least give it half an hour to forty five minutes after you train, 
you want your resting heart rate to come down. You don't want to be in a sympathetic state when you have your when you have your post-workout meal. So a sympathetic state is in that fight or flight mode that you are that you that you get in when you train because you're not going to be able to digest the food correctly. So you want to wait for your resting heart rate to come back down to baseline. Be in a parasympathetic state when you're ready to digest the food and then have your have your post-workout meal. And if you have something like a Fitbit, Fitbit, uh, uh, is it a Whoop, a Whoop band? Uh, yeah, I've got the Whoop. Uh, an Aura, something like that, that you can see your your heart rate with. Wait until it's wait, wait until it's back down to baseline and have your post-workout post-workout meal. Um, I think, basically, I, think... I just yo. So I could, you go on. Basically, I just say to simplify it. I'd say like an hour and a half as a general rule of thumb, heavy intake of carbohydrates, normal protein intake, uh, average fat for pre-workout, post-workout, half an hour to 45 minutes afterwards. Again, a heavy influx of carbohydrates, predominantly sugar-based, so fast-acting, um, fats to a minimum to, to so you're not slowing the digestion down, and then just a regular intake of protein again. But yeah, go yeah. Ahead, Rob. I was going to say with, with pre pre-workout meal the the fats can kind of shift up and down depending on the person because yeah. like like you said so fats will um slow down the digestion of the carbohydrates so for people like for me i react quite fast to a big intake of carbohydrates so if i were to have like let's say 10 grams of fat in that pre-workout meal i would feel like i've had a big spike in blood sugar and then a big crash yeah. um so i have to incorporate more fats there to kind of slow that digestion down and then prolong that that release throughout the session but a lot of people don't have that problem um but yeah post-workout we want to minimize those fats because we want the, the carbohydrates to be digested as fast as possible yeah yeah and of course it all goes down to your macronutrient breakdown as well i mean if you've yeah. got someone on 50 gram of fat you're not going to be able to have that much fat in a pre-workout meal where with no. me when my fats are actually really high now I'm going to have to put a lot of fat in that, in that pre-workout meal. If I'm having one meal with pretty much zero fat as my post, I can't afford for, for the other meals to not, not have as much fat. But if fats increase and you have more fat in your pre-workout meal and you are finding that the, that the digestion is a lot, lot slower, the release of the carbohydrates is a lot slower, just pull that back half an hour, an hour further before you work out and you'll be absolutely fine. Yep. But that pretty much covers pre- and post-nutrition. Mm-hmm. We can we can touch upon the last point. How long um, have we been going for? Thirty-eight minutes. Yeah, we can cover it because it's it's a it's quite a complex um, point that that we can go into a lot more detail in a future episode. But we can cover the basics quickly. Yeah, so that is basically we've been asked why we don't specifically squat, bench, and deadlift um, in a normal training environment when we're when we're back in the gym as opposed to this COVID-19 scenario. Yeah. Um, do you want to start off? Do you want to take it away a bit? Well, yeah. So it's it's just for biomechanic reasons. So everybody has different biomechanics. So everyone will have different lengths of their femurs. Their arms will be different lengths. The joints will sit differently. Um, and because of that, not every exercise matches up perfectly with the individual. So for me... I can't bench press flat at all. Um, I can't bring the bar to my chest without without pain in my shoulders. Um, it just doesn't suit me at all. And you're the same. More so for deadlifts for you, isn't it? Yeah, deadlifts for me are horrific. Benching me is, I'm, I'm a really, really strong bencher, 
However, it's all, um, I just get really, really efficient at moving the weight from A to B. It's all connected tissue. It's a stretch reflex. I, yeah. I could do some sets of bench and I barely get a chest pump. I barely feel it in my chest. Compared to if I put that on a Smith or an incline press, it's completely different for me. So in terms yeah. of bench reviewed biomechanically, it doesn't work. I have quite short arms for my height, so it does work for me to actually perform the movement. However, I just become really, really efficient at moving the weight from A to B. Yeah. Also Where for me, lifting, I'm, yeah. I've got super, super long legs, really high hips and short arms that literally even a rack pull, I remember you saying to me, is basically a deadlift for me. The amount I have to bend over to actually just pick the yeah. pair up from, from when we did the stiff legs, the block pulls. My mechanics just don't work. With, with pulling from the floor, my mechanics don't work. Yeah, it doesn't look... It, look, it, look, it it doesn't look safe for your erectors and your and your spine because the amount you look like you're just fully arched over. Even if you're not, it it doesn't. You just don't match up with the movement very well. No, but for, for me, I I I love deadlifts. I I haven't done them from the floor in ages. Um, but we were doing block pulls, RDLs for months, and then just before lockdown, I did my first session with deadlifts from the floor for the first time in like a year probably and I, I actually I loved it and it feels it feels really nice for me yeah I don't it's struggle with something it. that you'll implement then after after lockdown you'll start 100% again. Like I'm back on the RDLs and, and they work well for me to be fair yeah I've always had I've always had an issue with spinal loading itself um, and that I, I struggle to recover from hip hinge movements big time I can only probably yeah, have me. one in a week like we had a T-bar and then we had a had an RDL or a, or a block pull, as you said. And then squats, um, I can squat fairly well. Um, I can I can get very, very deep. Um, however, I just find like squats themselves, if they work for you, they work. Like we've seen in a lot of people that squats build fantastic legs, where for me, they, they really didn't. I just found a huge amount of stress in my erectors. The spinal loading from a squat is massive. Um, and like, if you really want to grow some quads and challenge quads, um, a hack squat, you're literally taking all the stabilization out of the movement. You're directing the full force of the load into your quads. You've got no spinal loading. It's a much safer movement. I would personally, I would always opt for a hack squat or a leg press, yeah. or a pendulum squat over, over a barbell squat itself. Well, for a quad, for quad recruitment, we want as much knee flexion and extension as possible. So that, that movement at the knee joint rather than the hips. Yeah. So when you barbell squat, like I saw I saw a photo you put on your, on your story, the amount of knee flexion you actually get isn't great because you're you're almost like folding over at the hips. So your your glutes and hamstrings will be activated a lot. Um, and that's why squats don't grow big quads for everyone because everyone's biomechanics are different. Yeah. Um, but yeah, things like a hack squat, you can put put your feet lower down on the plate and the amount of knee flexion you get can be way more than a than a barbell squat. And I agree. Like my my quads have grown massively since taking out barbell squats and just adding in hacks, pendulums, heavy leg presses. It, it is you have to look at your own biomechanics and you have to actually sort of like film your sets and 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 think: Does this movement look right for me and what what I'm trying to achieve? You've also got to think as well. Take away the quad and the actual muscular development. You've got to think about your recovery as well. A hack squat is going to impinge my recovery a lot less than a barbell squat for, say, a pull yeah. day or even a push day. 
the systemic fatigue that you're going to accumulate from a barbell squat is going to be so much higher than something like a pendulum or a hack. And so you've got to weigh up the, the, the pros and the cons of the movement. If you are getting less quad activation in a barbell squat, the goal is to grow your quads and you're just getting a super, super crazy amount of systemic fatigue. Why would you barbell squat? It's like yeah. people think you have to squat, you have to bench, you have to deadlift. These are the three movements that you have to do. Who said this? Why One movement is no better than another for any individual. It's what yeah. works for you. Well, a lot of people claim they're the basics as well, but when you actually break those movements down, they're very complicated. It's <laughs> they're, not easy they're just to like ex- some of the first movements. No, they're just yeah. like some of the first movements that were made. They're, they're not the basics. Yeah. I mean, like trying to, trying to deadlift from the floor with proper technique takes a long time to learn to do that correctly. And so many people do it wrong. How many, how many people have been injured, injured their lower back, lower back deadlifting? Yeah. Uh, It's crazy. I know. And like, how is a bench press more basic than doing something on a Smith when you're in a a fixed plane of motion compared to a bench? These aren't, these are people jump straight into these movements before they're actually learned. Yeah. Like learn behavior, learn movement is a massive thing. And, why would you start from the floor rather than working your way down there with correct form? It doesn't really make any sense. Now, this is not us slating these movements because these three movements for most, for a lot of people, not most, for a lot of people work fantastically. However, yeah. for us, they don't. I mean, a deadlift does work for Rob. A deadlift doesn't really work for me. So there's one thing that we disagree on, which probably in our programming, well, we did, to be fair, I, I would pull from a lot higher and did RDLs where Rob would pull from a block and pull from lower. Um, but that's something as well in with your training partners. If your training partner's benching, you don't have to bench. You can still swap that exercise and do something differently to fit your body dynamics. Yeah. So don't think just because you're in a set plan with someone that you have to follow what they're doing. Just jump off for that exercise and you go do your Smith press. You go do your incline press as opposed to as opposed to a bench press. But we, we can cover this in a lot more detail in a, in a later podcast. But that, that's basically just touching upon why we don't particularly – squat bench and uh dead um and we do variants to those exercises but it all comes down to you and what works for you this whole the whole game is individual to you how much yeah. fat you have in your pre-workout meal is individual to you and this is yeah. why it's a tried and tested it, it, it is a um um what am i thinking of not trying and tested um oh, trial and no, error no, it is a it is a trial <laughs> and error with everything in this game because yeah. we're all we're all so individual and it's also specific to to one another. Well, that's how we've learned that these movements don't suit us. We've done it. We've tried it. We've probably got a bit hurt in the process. Like yeah. I've I've injured my lower back a few times squatting. Um, yeah, it's it's all individual differences and it's it's person dependent with everything. Everything in the game. But yeah. So yeah. We've covered quite a lot today, haven't we? we we've covered quite a lot, to be fair. It's been a, it's been a good episode. We're, we're hitting 47 minutes now. Um, so, wrap it up. Yeah, I think so. So, we'll wrap it up. Um, so, guys, thanks for listening to episode two of the Origins podcast. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed it. We've, we've touched upon, you know, what we've done for the week, how we got to training, um, BFR, pre and post nutrition and compounds. So next week we'll, we'll go into compounds probably a little bit more. We'll cover some more topics week after that. Hopefully we'll get a guest on. Um, as always guys, if you could share this to your stories on Instagram, tag us in it, get as much exposure as possible. The first podcast did really, really well. And, and we're, we're, we're happy with the feedback that we've got. Um, 
so yeah thanks for listening really guys and we'll we'll see you in the next one yeah the response has been great hasn't it yeah the response has been really good bro but, yeah. um sweet cheers guys cheers see you in a bit